0: Hey Boomers, welcome once again to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly guide to the sega Stational world of the UK's official 1990 Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. We, as always, are your Humes, so think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. My name is Dave Bullman. And this fortnight we've got all-out action for you with the Sega Superstars. Well they haven't used that phrase in a while, have you? The, the sega, sega Superstars. superstars. Well, we've,
1: we've still got plenty of them left. They're still kicking about. The Sega yeah. Superstars. Uh, in particular, we got some power Power this issue. Um, not that we didn't have Prower Power for the last couple of issues. Because a new Tales story starts inside. We've already had
0: Tales stories for the last. It's not a new Tales series, but it's a new Tales yeah, story. It's an odd one. We got a two-parter, and now we have a four-parter. So Tales gets the regular run of six issues but it's split up into two stories
1: so the cover to this issue is um it's a fairly sparse one but uh, it's a minimalist yes it's mostly just purple imagine a big purple sheet with in the middle of it a spotlight falling on tails who's just standing there filling up most of the page doing a little pose one fist up one finger up and behind him is a crabby-looking Sonic who's all got his arms folded and he looks all cross-patched because he's not in the limelight, Tails is.
0: And this is uh, Carl Flint on
1: the cover art again. Mm-hmm, who's still drawing Tails' little um, shoe buckles. They can't have lasted long. Oh, yeah, I never really noticed them before. I know, in the very early days, the actual original Sonic 2 design for Tails had these little, like, little belts around his shoes just under where the sort of socky-looking, softy bit is. And, uh...
0: Yeah, he's still got that. So you can flip ahead and Gosh, you know, I've never really thought about it, but it's weird that I sort of wouldn't notice that Mm. if that wasn't a regular part of his look in the, Oh, me. i don't gosh i'm gonna have to like pay real close attention <laughs> in the future and, and maybe go back and look at my previous issues now too i've never really thought about this whoa you're still learning things <laughs> however many years on this is now that's it 25 well 25 years on. i've
1: got to say i forgot you know it's only looking at these these comics that's reminded me in the last few weeks um but they were sort of the tales equivalent of sonic's shoe buckle yeah which was rarely seen outside of japan and i i didn't know about it until sort of late on in in the day. Well, yeah, it became part of
0: like his adventure look and it's everywhere now. Ah. It's it's part of his design now. In fact, um, uh, obviously this is many years into the future, but uh, whenever... I think Sega would mandate that Sonic be redesigned in the comics to match his adventure appearance because mm-hmm. it happened in in, uh, in STC at the very end. It did, very, very end. He got, his, got his green eyes and his droopy spines and they did it in, uh, in, in the Archie book as well. Mm-hmm. And I think i think in the archie book he got caught in an explosion or something uh, like a chaos explosion or something like that but it wasn't ch- like the explosion actually put the buckles on his shoes <laughs> i was, in the archie I was about to say that we can't make fun of that because
1: that's our origin story but no uh, no, no, no the, the
0: explosion mutated his shoes to give them buckles yeah i think we i think we won that one <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think we won them all um oh wait except longevity we lost that one yeah and uh you know worldwide acclaim <laughs> we lost that
0: one I mean
1: Yeah But <laughs> <laughs> But they're wrong
0: Control um zone it's all about what's coming up next.
1: Yes, we've got the, the usual bar on the left that's welcome screen, which is where the editor, or whoever it may be, just blithers on for half a page. But then it, It's Megadroid, oh, yes, Dave.
0: It's, it's, it's the very real character of yes. real-life character you mean, and personality. You mean real-life
1: person, not character. That, that's, that implies he's made up. I don't know, Megadroid's a bit of a character. He is. And then in the <laughs> middle, you've got this bar saying STC News, which to me implies, because it's not the first time we've seen it, that they've stopped using the
0: welcome screen for STC News. But they haven't. So. No, no, it's it's uh, it's the same thing, and then uh, it's expanded upon a little because the news in in uh, both the welcome screen and this uh, this other block is that coming up next issue, uh, we have two new strips. Uh, as we were told last issue, the new game Eternal Champions is getting a strip. They stress that uh, for the first and not last time, you can buy a new Sega game and read the STC comic strip at the same time.
1: Yes, and the reason they say that is that for the first and not last time, STC has worked closely with Sega during the development of Eternal Champions to make sure the series in the comic, is as faithful as possible to the game. Which, of course, means that Sega fed them information. Yeah, they sent them the press, release, But it makes it sound grand, doesn't it? It certainly does. Sounds like they had a hand in developing it. Like, they're setting up a mysterious, you know, like, Deke Archie sort of situation
0: where who knows where the development actually happened. And to be fair, STC was a big part of the push for Eternal Champions, at at least here in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what they did in, in the US, but, like, they really did want this game to be the next big beat em up uh, the the sega original beat em up franchise to to rival street fighter and mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh bless them bless them <laughs> but but they they pushed hard on it yeah. and uh, and stc was a big part of the delivery uh, method for that and they, they but they also tell us further to that point that the eternal champions uh, ec they start calling them here or <laughs> the champs uh they're getting their own special issue 48 pages of strips features facts and tips uh coming soon uh you cannot afford to miss it and neither can you boomers because yes we will cover it yeah if we can get hold of it <laughs> and uh, then i'd actually i i mean i knew that two two strips were ending in this one and i just sort of hadn't been thinking about what was was coming next know, and it's yeah. shinobi shinobi's yeah. coming back Brilliant! Yeah, I'm really looking that. forward to Shinobi! Yeah, But that does mean that Echo and Golden Axe are both ending, so we have the final chapters of those uh, this issue. Oh, and there's no room to tell us about Sonic the Poster Mag out next month. That'll be the third issue of Sonic the Poster Mag. Oh, already? I know, yeah, I felt like there was more of a gap between uh, the first two and the third. Heck and golly, we'd better start working on a episode for that then. Yeah. I mean, all the poster mags just now come out this year in 1994. yeah, uh, It feels like, you know, in our memories yeah. it feels like the poster mag was around for a lot longer as a companion piece but nope, uh, they did two issues at the end of 93 and then uh, the rest of them I think there were only seven more. Um, they all came out in 94. Yeah. But once again, keep your ears open because we do plan to cover all of the poster mags and any other specials that happen. And uh, and then yeah, yeah the, the other sidebar on here is just telling us about the new Eternal Champions and Shinobi series. It says that he's going to be visiting Tokyo. Tokyo,
1: and I'm quite interested to, uh, well, I was, I was going to say I'm looking forward to seeing that, but now I realise it'll probably be Tokyo of the distant past, not the cool, interesting Tokyo of today. Well, <laughs> it's not that
0: far in the past, Dave. Shinobi doesn't live in the past. Oh, does he not? No, no, it's, it's, it's set in the present. Though. Oh, well then, I'm all excited again then. Yeah, let's get some fancy lights and stuff. I mean, I'm... I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. Well, we'll find out. I think it is the modern, you know, the neon metropolis of 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 the present day. That's what I'm hoping for. Oh, well, well, look forward to find out. Now.
2: Yeah. The Leader the Leader
0: Did you notice uh, over in the Sega charts the hat trick of new Sonic games they were promoting a little while back have all landed? Oh, yes,
1: they have and all at the top
0: except for, was Spinball one of them? Yes, uh, Sonic Chaos in at number one on the Master System and Game Gear, Sonic CD in at number one on the Mega CD, and Sonic Spinball only in at number three on the Mega Drive, not even managing to bump Aladdin out of its uh, number two position. Well, it's
1: nowhere near as good a game. What can be expected
0: of it, really? Yeah, but we didn't know that before we had our parents buy it for us well i feel
1: like we could have suspected it because it is just a pinball game whatever it wants to be it's got sonic in it True. but it's like sonic and then brackets but not really <laughs> yep and as a dizzy fan of course i'd already been through this it's like the new dizzy game but not really this is just one of the puzzle games like, okay I don't yeah. really need that. um and up at the top in number one on the mega drive is fifa international flipping soccer yawn mm. time is a flat circle <laughs> oh yeah
0: oh god fifa of course oh i didn't even oh no that's still going oh, on gosh. the fact you notice how it doesn't have a date after it does that mean it's the first fifa game i should
1: have thought so yeah unless unless the international is the qualifier
0: uh, maybe yeah oh i don't know no, uh, football qualifier of... that's a football joke isn't it That I I just did? oh yes you did that yes, thank you a purpose. football joke yes mm, sports and such yep offside um <laughs> um <laughs> Red card. <laughs> Go. Casino
1: night, part one. Written by Nigel Kitching. Art by Richard Elson. Letters by Elita Fell. Sonic and Porker Lewis head to the Casino Night Zone to put a stop to Robotnik's latest evil scheme, hypnotising the casino patrons into becoming compulsive gamblers who lose everything on the rigged games. Unfortunately, the zone is overseen by Robotnik's minions, the Marxio Brothers. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Who put Sonic through the ringer with a badnik army and a giant pinball machine trap. Sonic survives, but is then forced to surrender. He Sonic survives, I say, as if it's a big surprise. The twist is... Sonic survives, but is then forced to surrender when the Marxios capture Porker, and the two heroes wind up tied to the tracks of an on-rushing roller coaster.
2: Whee! Whee!
0: So this is the first, technically, the first multi-part Sonic story. Oh. I mean, you know, I mean, technically, like, obviously, The Origin of Sonic and Back to Reality issues 8 and 9 were a two-part story. They they yes. ended on a cliffhanger and fed directly into the next one. But each was their own discrete unit of story about something. Yes. Um, whereas this is a real two-part story where the, the story part is part one out of, at the start yeah it says it says part one in the title is what I'm getting at mm-hmm. here and it is the return of the dream team Kitching and Elson yes and they'll be around for a while after this as I recall Elson drops out for 20 but then oh. yeah he's on it through till 28 maybe oh. yeah after that yeah we're on a big run of Kitching and Elson issues because this is um we're not quite to the next big transformative step like if the last round of of uh, Kitching and Elson stories was the first big transformative step that took us from episodic adventures that didn't really mean anything to changing the whole base premise of the comic. In a few issues' time, we'll have the next step again that takes us up to level three, as it were. But this is kind of like the prologue to that, as little things start to creep in. One of the biggest uh, tales of all, uh, we'll, we'll say it now, is Porker Lewis starts wearing a leather jacket. He does! His little leather jacket. His little leather jacket. Uh, You know, and we've never really talked about it, but but it should be uh, stressed that uh, up until this point, and and including this issue, Porker and Johnny and all the other animals have been drawn in that cutesy proportioned way that they appeared in the video games. Yes,
1: and and I'd forgotten how cute early leather jacket Porker's drawn. Like... In this issue, for example, the drawing of him at the bottom of page two, it's exactly the same as little baby Porker from the games or the earlier issues, but just with an anthro body now. He looks like a little boy. Well, he doesn't
0: even have an anthro body really no just enough to be able to put a leather jacket yeah, on it yeah exactly yeah I mean he, he's still got his like he will lose his trotters in a few yeah. issues time but he's still got the trotters now he has. and this decision uh, was obviously inspired by like we don't have the full picture and maybe if we can get another uh, little another letter from little Nigel Kitching <laughs> Sonic Water fun game winner <laughs> maybe he'll be able to remember and tell us why exactly but there was some kind of influence by the cartoon on Sonic the comic he
1: did mention it i can't remember how much of it i got across but um nigel did tell us that he was told by the editor by richard burton that there was going to be this idea coming in from america about sonic leading a team of freedom fighters and nigel wasn't into that idea um but it was something that he was asked to do but uh, clearly with a lot of flexibility because the freedom fighters the freedom team we end up with I just nothing like or to do with the American one.
0: Yeah, it's just the basic idea of him being uh, the leader of a, a group of freedom fighters on, on, on a Mobius controlled by Robotnik.
1: That's right, and it really kind of organically grew out of what we had already because they were already starting to move in that direction.
0: And that is why you and I, I mean, we're, we're a little ahead of ourselves, mm. but largely speaking, that's why you and I and other British fans who never got on with Archie were okay with this premise coming yep. in because it grew organically out of what we had been presented already. It grew out of the world of the games yep. rather than presenting rather than presenting itself as its own weird adaptation of the games from day one. That's right. We started off with Sonic being the one fighting person,
1: along with sidekick Tails, among little animals. And then gradually, as the comic went on through its first, what are we on now, 18 issues, the threat increased. Robotnik became more and more in charge, which necessitated a little bit more pushback from the animals until we get to this point
0: where, you know, Porker Lewis kicks the whole thing off by donning a leather jacket. Which, we should say... is based on the prototypical piece of artwork that we saw um, from the cartoon's early development back in issue 12 and which we talked about in our uh, poster mag episode back at Christmas. Those designs would wind up, that whole premise would wind up sort of not happening in the cartoon and that's why we don't really know exactly how much STC's crowd were told what they were given because they seem to be working off a very vague understanding of what the cartoon was or was going to be because, you know, here with Porker they use a piece of outdated artwork that never actually came to reflect what the cartoon was god
1: you're right i never put that together i mean i I put it together that he was clearly or they were clearly riffing on that artwork as you know these characters are the freedom fighters but it never occurred to me that yeah they're kind of dressed like them and
0: everything yeah Uh, johnny lightfoot will be the same when he gets his clothes in a few issues time he specifically even gets the trousers and the and the The red red jacket to to go with it never gets the shades though. oh it's a
1: shame they look great (laughs) I, i i really I would love to have seen that version of the cartoon. I really, honestly i wish but do you know what do you know why
0: you would have loved to have seen it (laughs) go on because the cast of that cartoon was the cast of animals that all our media had told us were the characters from the game That's right it's a bit lunatics
1: but it looked great and it was the correct characters and had that cartoon come out i would have been able to continue thinking of it as a slightly different adaptation of sonic rather than the definitely nothing whatsoever to do with sonic version that we got in sat am mm. anyway <laughs> i'm glad we got that <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to be the last time we rant about sat am <laughs> no no but
0: but uh, it's just an important point that i but um this is also the first appearance of some of perhaps the most memorable original characters that were created for sonic the comic <laughs> sonic the comic only has about four four truly notable original characters <laughs> who became like sort of like the b-level uh supporting cast yeah. players and that's techno short fuse grimer and captain plunder and captain plunder is even stretching it <laughs> it's nothing and again not to keep on with satayam and archie and everything but it, it's nothing like those books where the the original characters were so prolific that they took over the book and the book could sometimes be more about them than the the I'll say it, than the real characters <laughs> to the point that whenever they had to remove them, they irreparably broke the universe and had to reboot it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, don't misunderstand what I'm saying to be that there should never be original characters in Sonic because Sonic has quite a small, certainly at this point in time, Sonic has only quite a small central cast of characters and you have to create original threats and villains oh, yeah. and supporting characters to inform, if you simply, if you want to keep, Telling stories about him on an ongoing basis. Yeah. We've had characters like Terra Droid and the Octobot and the Omniviewer. Megatox. And Megatox. And th- that's fine. You know, you've got to do that. And here we have the Marxio Brothers. <laughs> A joke that we children didn't get. <laughs> I got it. Did you really? I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I got it but I did get it I knew who the Marx brothers were for some reason I think I won't swear but it's funny we were talking about this phenomenon months ago but it's uh-huh. it's still valid here where I think I knew who they were mm-hmm. from jokes in other cartoons oh, and things right. like tiny tunes loved yeah, a yeah, Marx yeah. impression I think that's maybe where I learned about
1: yeah them. fair I think that stuff just blew straight over my head i'm one of those people who still keeps finding out that things i thought were original in the simpsons were parodies and it disappoints me every time so <laughs> i yeah i think that just blew straight over my head and i thought like oh well this t- tiny tunes has invented some men today but with the marxio brothers i didn't get the joke but for the majority of like i think more or less as soon as this came out i understood what the joke was so i must have i must have gone and asked a parent straight away i must have got that there was a joke being told and asked somebody to please explain it to me and for the kids at home
0: they're a fusion of classic comedians the marx brothers and the super mario brothers it's Oh, really is good is joke wonderful <laughs> it's a fantastic joke and it's so timely it's, what's yeah. ma- it's what makes them good additions to the story yeah. because they're able to do the dumb sega versus nintendo mario sonic rivalry yes. by having like a dumb pastiche of mario in it yeah that's because what the, makes yeah, it the, fun.
1: exactly the marx brothers deliberately you know being silly so if we want to make the mario brothers silly what better way to do that and also it has this friendly sense of someone in the generation above making fun of something from your generation because you know, you, yeah, we didn't you apparently you did, but we didn't know what the Marx Brothers were, but this writer and artist did more than they knew who the mario brothers were probably
0: because so, um, we get there are three or three of them rather than two there's yes. Groucho, and they all three of them wear the classic mario dungarees <laughs> um and two of the three of them have the mario mustaches because obviously groucho marks famous for his mustache yeah. um we have Groucho who has a big bow tie and a cigar in his hand at all times wouldn't get away with that today we have uh, I've always pronounced it Chico. Same, I don't know. I think, well, because it's Chico, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because it's Chico. That's the one that always worked more written than spoken. And he's like the, the Italian-accented one, and they, they they wrote his accent out fanatically, so yes, I... Yes, because I, Groucho just talks like Groucho Marx. Yeah. I mean, what do we look like, idiots? <laughs> you don't really want me to answer that, do you? Whereas Chico
1: is all Mamma Mia.
0: Yes. Mamma Mia! Anything but that! <laughs> And uh, and Harpo or Harpio yes. just communicates by honking a horn. Now, because I don't know the Marx Brothers, is that a Marx Brothers thing? Or yes, yes. Marxio? Harpo just Harpo just honked. His right, yeah.
1: Um and oh by the way I've only just noticed this now the, so by the way uh, if you haven't actually got the comic to look at in front of you these characters are literally just introduced with inset pictures into what is a half page big introductory image of the of the casino another brilliant depiction of a, a zone from a Sonic game yeah. by Richard Elson here but they have these three circular panels that their faces are in and I've only just noticed that those panels have got little uh, they're balloons so they've got the little oh nozzly bits oh my
0: god God, I've never noticed yeah. that in all these years. Look at that! Yeah, each little inset circle panel is its yeah, own balloon. Because
1: there are balloons flying around all over in the drawing of the Casino Night Zone, anyway.
0: Oh, and of course, the uh, the Marxio brothers are electricians, not plumbers. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Apostrophe in the wrong place there, though. And Marxio Bros. Oh dear. The Marxio Bros. What? So they're great They're a lot of fun I think we we would see them A couple more times In the history of Sonic the comic But basically The fact that they recurred Makes them some of the first uh, uh, Notable original characters
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah
0: so since
1: I've started blithering about Richard's depiction of the casino night zone, w- mm, yep. one thing I, I absolutely love about it, because he's made it, honestly, a bit more like what Carnival Night Zone will turn out to be.
0: Yeah, it's a bit, it's more of a carnival than a casino, it's a, like a big there's, there's a roller part. coaster. And, well, that's yeah, the thing.
1: This part. is one of the cleverest things he's done in it. Because in the actual, like, casino night zone, there are these great big walls that have the pinball thing on them and they have yeah. if you go to the to the very edges and extremes of those areas you see sort of interesting fancy di- displays and so on to give them an edge what he's done what richard's done here is he's turned them into a roller coaster so there's a great big you know dip not dip what's the opposite of a dip an up an up a roller coaster up uh, bit an up. yeah <laughs> and on the as it were the wall of that that's where the giant pinball flippers and the roulette bits that's where they are. So it all—he's made
0: sense of stuff that's just video gamey, in a way that I absolutely love. One thing this introduces, actually, just as I'm flipping over the page and I see here, um, this does, in addition to giving him clothes and covering his shame. This also sets up Porker's uh, new rule in the series. That's does. another important step it does. This turns Porker into the tech guy of the Freedom Fighters.
1: Yeah, because he's got a little... This The first bit of tech that he comes up with is just a little remote control that fixes their central
0: computer it's a disruptor gizmo yes it's a disruptor that will take out the hypnotizing beams being projected from the eyes of a robotnik statue that looms over the casino night zone
1: yes but it turns out he's only put a a a quite weak bluetooth uh, yeah transmitter in it so they have to get very very close
0: also this is nigel going in pretty hard on porker's uh, like nervous characterization too like we had a tiny bit of that um back in origin of sonic when porker had good cause to be nervous as Sonic was about to take them off to the special zone Mm -hmm. and who knows if he intended to set out making that Porker's thing yeah. or if that was just a, a situational moment, but but with this issue it really does become Porker's thing. He has a little bit of a stammer. Yeah. Uh, he's he's always deferential and apologetic. Yeah. Porker is the, the timid tech guy of the Freedom Fighters. His design hasn't quite evolved all the way, but this is the, the evolution of the character into his final form.
1: And uh, yes, it's interesting to see Richard try and draw a pig with trotters working a piece of computer equipment.
0: <laughs> yes, I presume that's why eventually he had to get yeah. rid the trotters and uh, and give him hands but I objected to it then and I object <laughs> to it
1: now. I never noticed it but now I do, yeah, yeah because it's just a comic, you can get away exactly the way the, the way Richard's done it here is. You know, it's just he's got his trotter it, near it, the thing, and you just assume it, it
0: worked. It just sticks. They just put the hoof down, and, and then the, the the thing comes away with the hoof, same as on My Little Pony lifts anything.
1: <laughs> also, we haven't mentioned that on the back. When you see the back of Porker's jacket, he's got Sonic's face on there. Oh, I
0: love that. That's so <laughs> oh so dickish, isn't it? Like, (laughs) someone organized the monogramming of the team jackets, and they put his face on it. It's like, oh that's quintessentially sonic
1: see that's how it goes eventually but when i first read this i thought porker was just a fan you know he's like yeah i like sonic so i've got a jacket of it but yes it very quickly <laughs> reads as if sonic's been handing these out Yep. who do you think's um, uh, manufacturing those well not somebody with trotters <laughs> <laughs> yeah porker didn't uh didn't hand stitch that patch on there <laughs> And by the way readers leather jackets come in different shapes and sizes this is a you know early 90s leather jacket Oh, so it's yeah. got like metal studs all on the back
0: it's all studs and zips and lapels yeah a proper biker jacket
1: hey um one thing i forgot to mention before about richard's casino night that i really like is that when sonic is pointing up to the giant it has this giant robotnik statue looming over it which sort of is a bit like something that was in sonic cd there was like a big gold Mm. robotnik statue looming over a level in that but um yeah here we have this giant robotnik statue not gold it is it's got swirly eyes it's what's hypnotizing everybody and uh, as sonic points up to it you get this you know, perspective view looking up. What I mentioned before, the uh, the the flipper on the roller coaster, and we see that a rabbit, just a random rabbit, is being flippered up into the sky, which just sort of implies that it's one of the games you play here, rather than just something. Because it always, when you're trying to world build around the Sonic games, you're always you you're gonna hit this moment where you're like, wait a minute, why has anybody built this equipment that only Sonic, a, a man who can roll into a ball and be pinged <laughs> yeah. around as a ball? what else was supposed to be pinged around by this giant pinball equipment and uh, the answer that Richard gives us is anyone who wants to go <laughs> Yep, it's, it's just a means of
0: transport around the zone apparently yeah. in
1: <laughs> fact the way it's drawn he could even be using it to board the roller coaster like perhaps the yeah, roller yeah, coaster yeah. just rolls at all times and you just flip <laughs> flipper your you way up onto it
0: binds your way on
1: yeah.
0: anyway it's great uh, yeah, so, I mean, but, but as a story, uh, this one is just sort of a, a collection of action scenes, really. Uh, Porker's disruptor, as you say, doesn't work. They have to get closer to the statue. So Sonic, fed up of lurking in the shadows, because this is a very publicly Robotnik-controlled zone, zooms out. But uh, the Marxio spot him and uh, unleash an army of uh, Trooper Badniks, mm-hmm. who force him into a hole and he falls down the hole and falls into a, a big uh, pinball table you know in the style of the uh, the casino night um, uh, from the games yes i want to mention that because
1: uh, one of the things that I, I remember being a kid and trying like imagining like how would i adapt games if i was to write a comic or the, the movie or the novelization of a game and my my decision was that you would take each gameplay aspect and you would come up with one thing that showcases that so like what in what one circumstance that's actually pertinent to the story would that be used and the one that i remember particularly is i wrote this elaborate uh, treatment for a worms fanfic in which i incorporated everything i'd ever heard of from worms lore like <laughs> the concrete donkey and banana fish and and dark side play style and i came up with one in- event where each of those comes up and uh, nigel's done a similar thing here where he has sonic fall down this this trap which then just basically allows richard to draw a whole page of Sonic being pung around in a big load of pinball stuff, you know, flippers and bumpers and so on, and it's... It you know it only happens once, but it takes up a whole page.
0: Yes, it's a full page splash. Well, except for well, there's a small panel in the in the corner, and then the rest of to it is one it, yeah. big full page panel. Which uh, I think we've said it before. You wouldn't see a lot of in Sonic the Comic because obviously no. space was at such a premium.
1: Yeah, but Richard knows how to use it, and he's you he's drawn multiple Sonics getting pinged around across the page. Here we're at we we've got a camera kind of at the bottom of the pinball table, as it were. So you get to see Sonic spat out of a pipe at the top, and then he hits a bumper, he goes the other way, he goes the other way, he's upside down, he's flipping around, and each one is bigger until the last Sonic takes up, you know, slightly more than half, the bottom half of the page. And it's just laid out really well, it's drawn really nicely, and it's really... uh, It's immediate and action-y, and it just... It's really good. It's just really... Richard Elson's good. And did you see it? Where?
0: (laughs) Sonic's eyelids, watch! (laughs) Blue (laughs) eyelids! Blue eyelids
1: eyelids today! (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh so that's yeah they're blue that's all we got but the, they're still blue even now at this point in the game whenever things are getting changed up yeah still blue and so when are they gonna turn flash colored so um and by
1: the way uh, in real life outside the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago yes. i discovered something which i sent to chris which is are you aware listeners um that the game sonic adventure uh, came out for the Dreamcast but then was changed for a re-release on I believe the Gamecube and that is the version that's most commonly available now on things like Steam and so when a lot of people play Sonic Adventure it's kind of unfair because they're playing an inferior remake which you know, really was inferior quite a lot of it looked and, and felt a bit wrong. And one of the key differences I've never noticed before, I was watching a side-by-side video comparison of various clips, is that in that infamous scene at the start, where Sonic stands on the building and says, yeah, this is happening, is it that was that scene, wasn't it? I
0: think so. The,
1: uh, the, the actual model of Sonic has been changed, and he blinks. And in the Dreamcast version, he has a different colour eyelids to the remake, the GameCube and Going Forwards version. In the original version... His eyelids are that creamy flesh colour.
0: Yeah, the true and correct colour. Yeah, that we understand, even though we haven't found the visual evidence to prove why we think <laughs> that yet.
1: And in the remake, it's blue, and that to me suggests. And we have to look back over the the you know the two D games, but that to me implies that the reason we think of the his eyelids being skin colour is canon is not just because that's what richard elson settles on i think that is from the games and then at the at some point between the release of sonic adventures one and well i was going to say two but whenever they released the remake of that that's when they changed his model to have blue eyelids which i bet he's got now oh oh
0: i would be a hundred percent sure i mean sega have become in the 21st century so controlling of how sonic is depicted Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet there's a really yeah, official line on what, what what the deal with his eyes is. Uh, actually, yeah. a, a listener did send us um, some sprites from Sonic 2 that proved he oh. had flesh-coloured eyelids in Sonic 2. That's it! I knew somebody had... Yes, I knew I'd seen it somewhere. That was uh, Graham Probably on Twitter sent us uh, sprites to show that he had flesh-coloured eyelids in Sonic 2. But they're blue for now, but... I'm, i really I, I need to find out whenever elson started doing them flesh colored
1: yeah if he did maybe we just made it all up he must have done there's no way we <laughs> could have
0: this mental image of them as flesh if, if he hadn't yeah i definitely remember it must have been i remember him like clutching his head or something like he's been hit yeah i think you know i think i've summoned up the same mental image of the same panel <laughs> you're thinking of but i can't remember where it's from no oh wait wait a minute. right i know
1: exactly where it's um, it's not the one where he's clutching his head but it's the page i've got up in my corridor where he's turning where he's going ha 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 and turning back from supersonic oh he's got the
0: flesh-colored eyelids then well, it must happen eventually, then. So we're gonna yeah. m- mark this moment, listeners, <laughs> as we begin the search. I mean, I think we did actually. We did have some some previous issues where they were flesh coloured already. Well, yeah, because they're guessing.
1: I mean, we, we've had a previous issue where he's got flesh coloured legs. <sighs> they're just they're just guessing no. at this. stage. <laughs>
0: Page. I mean they allow his arms to be blue these days. It's not on. <laughs> I know. I mean look, we're at the we're at the point oh, early oh, on. Oh look at that. <laughs> the top what? top right panel of page seven. Oh blue arms! Blue arms! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Richard. I willed it into being.
2: Oh Richard.
1: We're at the point in nineteen ninety-four where and remember, these are grown-ups. These are people who you know, they care about Sonic in as much as it's their job, but they don't mm. care care about Sonic the way the same way we did. And yet at this stage of nineteen ninety three, I was still unaware that the Power Rangers, of whom I was a big fan, had different designs on their helmets based on what dinosaurs they had. So these are these are details that you can miss quite easily.
0: We did we even have Power Rangers at this stage?
1: Yeah, this was when it had started. Oh, unless it was, it could have been 94, but it was no later than that. Oh,
0: yes. I mean, it would have been this year at the latest, sure. But, uh, well, anyway, not that matters for the point you're making, but. But I think, I kind of think it was. I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? I certainly don't <laughs> Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Never? You went, oh, It's
1: a shame. Very good album. <laughs> <laughs> it was. That's
0: the most on-brand Dave Boomer <laughs> sentence. I love it. <laughs>
1: Power Rangers, A Rock Adventure. Still one of my favorite albums. I've got the CD on the shelf just there.
0: Oh, you shame your ancestors.
1: I flip it, though. It's a good album. It's a good (laughs) album. Google it. You will only find people praising it oh and also what you'll find is a cater of people this is the but this is where this is where people are wrong about that album right yeah. but they, they don't they don't say it's bad no they don't what they say is oh but there's an even better version where they've cut off the voice samples from the tv series of the characters and you just get to listen to music they're wrong because on the album it's put together in a kind of sound collage to make it into something of an audio drama and it's done with such timing and panache that it should be listened to with the voices on anyway
0: Hard to imagine anybody describing Power Rangers acting as well-timed or done with panache. That's
1: but- it. That's why it's so good. It wasn't until someone with a mixing desk DJed it into a shape and a pattern. Or, you
0: know, good in any way. Anyway, probably got yeah, it's not. It's not it, it wasn't good. But the album was. The album
1: was good. It was by the mighty I mean, raw, Ron oh, Watterson.
0: <laughs> I was, well, was going to say, yeah, because I mean, you know, for whatever else you might have said about him, Saban had good pedigree in music. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right.
1: Now, where are we? Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. I, I suppose I ought to mention that the, uh, the cliffhanger, being as this is Sonic's first cliffhanger, it's the most classic
0: cliffhanger there yeah. could ever be. Uh, he's literally tied to "quote unquote" railroad tracks.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a roller coaster speeding towards them, and to make I, now, when I this time was reading it, I looked in the roller coaster expecting to see, you know, a laughing Robotnik or something. But no, it's a couple of innocents who are going to be yeah. just as horrified. A rabbit, no, as as uh,
0: Sonic and Porker are to see what's going on. Because Robotnik wouldn't come out and do that himself. He rules the planet now. He's got better things to be doing. He only appears in this issue over a view screen, giving right. the Markseos orders about. Uh, how what does he say the the, the casino night zone raises a lot of money and I'd be extremely unhappy if he lost it (laughs) and that's a very good drawing of Robotnik isn't it though it's just...
1: It's your basic Robotnik. There's nothing fancy about it. It's just his face doing his face, but... In many ways, it is oh. a Shea
0: Nelson wouldn't get to draw I that know. much of, of classic Robotnik, because he, he really rocked it. He makes the redesigned Robotnik, and if you don't know readers, I won't spoil
1: it, yeah. but soon there will be a different Robotnik, and he makes it his own, and it's brilliant, but I have always regretted the fact that they had to do that or that they did that. I don't know how much they had to. Oh, they believed they had to, at least. Mm.
0: Yeah, but yeah, always
1: a bit of a shame that Elson didn't... The original Robotic is such a good villain design and the fact that they've been futzing around with it for the last 30 years or whatever it's been, 25 years, it's always been unnecessary because it's so good and I think it's only just in the last few years that the world has kind of caught up with what we've always known and started to bring him back like in the mania cartoons and stuff he's
0: great yeah yeah i uh i look forward to seeing Hmm, that's the wrong term i'll be interested to see what the live action movie does (laughs) Uh, because i mean i mean it's live action so obviously they can't just do it but but we've had those teasy glimpses in the trailer already in fact, gosh, that mm. movie won't be far away at all by the time you're listening to this, listeners. Oh, no, God. It, no, it won't. February 14th, Valentine's yeah, I mean, Day. That's what you and Abby will be
1: doing that night, I'm sure. That's, that's right. Book your tickets, grab your dates. <laughs> and pinch your raisins, because the Sonic movie's coming. <laughs> pinch your raisins?
0: <laughs> yeah, like grab your dates. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> 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 Refuse Zone
2: Review.
0: Review In the Review Zone, this issue, we have Greatest Heavyweights on Mega Drive, Pebble Beach Golf on Mega Drive, Ren and Stimpy on Mega Drive.
1: We've got a three-page Review Zone, which is a two-page spread and then one, and this first double-page spread is tricky. you got two incredibly tedious sports game, and then yeah. you got one based on the work of a man we've edited out all but one mention of up till now because he's so depressing. Ugh. You're right there. But then, Chris, then, Chris, suddenly over the page is a treat for Amiga fans, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, I was thinking (laughs) of you as I read it. We have
0: Gods for the Mega Drive and Zool for the Mega Drive. Yay!
1: Both of which, big Amiga staples.
0: And uh, the two Amiga staple ones are reviews by Dave Gibbon and the Ah. other three are by Vincent Lowe. Vincent Lowe falling into a very bad habit here, a bit of a Takushi, of spending the first three paragraphs paragraphs of each of these five paragraph reviews describing the features of the the menus. I wonder, is that a mandate? Is, is there, do they have to do that? Or is... I don't know. I mean, I, it's a way to fill copy without actually having to give too dangerous an opinion, basically. The one that really jumps out at me is the Pebble Beach Golf spends three paragraphs talking about plenty of options. You can enter your name, check your score. Oh. There's a configure option to set the... And then on the fourth paragraph, he opens the fourth paragraph of this review of Pebble Beach Golf by saying, but what about the game? <laughs> yeah look and there's not
1: much for him to say i mean greatest heavyweights it's just a boxing game that screenshot we've got a screenshot in the bottom where you can see two boxes side on it's not like uh, punch out it's a side on thing that's it that is the whole game you just a left and a right and a left right left and then eventually the man will fall down and sometimes he'll get up again and there's a little man saying you know who hey one who hey two the only non-boring thing that i can say about this game from my examination of it is that uh, when they say in the review that the menu screen is where the fun starts because you can select the head body hair color even the shorts exclamation mark which yeah it's not tremendously exciting except when i tell you that uh, you can select those colours without reason. So, um, the, in the in the playthrough I saw, he had you know bright green skin. Oh right, oh, okay. Purple hair. So yeah, you can you can really do what you want. An and you early
0: can... character creation type thing.
1: In Indeed, game, didn't quite beat out the kit selection in uh, Soccer Kid, as mentioned in Episode Seventeen. But uh, that's it. That is the only thing that's interesting at all about that game. Apparently Pebble Beach Golf. It at least, according to Vincent, here is quite good, and it certainly seemed to have quite an impressive early example of not three D, but like three D map layout, where you're the camera can move around a a big flat plane, and then you know the sprite trees move around on it, relatively convincingly though. But it's just golf. I I can't imagine. Uh, Just, just the sort of household where I know, I know, know. it's
0: okay. I like that the uh, the Ren and Stimpy review stipulates the cartoon is currently showing on BBC Two. That's right. Yeah. Where I think most of us probably encountered it, not having Sky back in the day. Nope. Moment in time with
1: that one. Yeah. Gods and Zool, I assume I know a bit more about than you do. I would assume so. Well, I'll tell you. So, Gods. I don't know much about Gods. I just know it has a very iconic uh, theme tune eh? called Into the Wonderful, which features a man going into the wonderful.
0: Pause here to insert theme tune.
1: It was, uh, on the Mega Drive, it goes like this. I've not even remembered to read the review here, and and as I look at it now, I'm quite interested in this. There's a brilliant feature called the Dynamic Gameplay Adjustment System, where the computer monitors how you're doing and adjusts the difficulty of the game accordingly. Very useful. quite Oh, oh! The graphics are much improved over the computer version as they include depth and several layers of parallax scrolling to give a sort of 3D feel. Really, I mean, It's not hard to imagine that the
0: Mega Drive would have better graphics, is it? Shut up? What, then an Amiga? <laughs> Get out of here! Get out of my house! The second time Dave's told me to shut up.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, after the uh, monumental, memorable moment in the poster mag episode. In our live show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. our live show with its audience of one sitting on the bed. Anyway, so gods I don't know much about.
0: Sounds interesting, they almost Yeah, it's,
1: it's a very well-regarded game. I, I'll i edit this out if I'm wrong, but I think I've heard it referred to as a... Con- uh, as a Castlevania. Oh, okay. A Metroidvania. That's the word. A Metroidvania. Not a Consulvania. Not a Castlevania. Not a Digitizer Live. (laughs) But a Metroidvania. Um, Right. I'm going to move straight on to Zool because I've got stuff to actually say about Zool. And here's what I'm going to say about Zool. Are you ready? Okay, go. Point one comprises of
0: yes i noticed that one too right <laughs> yep each world comprises of four levels and an end yeah. of world boss consists of David. i slightly object to their tone in this review because i agree
1: it's a bit snotty isn't it <laughs> i mean i suppose it has to be because basically their what they're, their thrust here is that zool is an attempt to beat sonic and of course fails and they have to say that and they're right to say that if it was i i agree that the game isn't as good as sonic but the only comparison between the two games zool and sonic at all is that zool was i believe explicitly pitched in development as a as a means of coming up with a mascot character who
0: yeah it's it's a mascot platformer that's the only real well
1: but i think they actually wanted zool to be for the amiga what sonic was for the mega yes 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 but apart from that the like the actual games aren't similar at all. There's none of the physics stuff. The game is fast, but speed isn't part of the character. So for them to
0: focus on it and how it falls short here, I know, it seems yeah. a bit unfair. Um, I think so. I thought this, like, they, I mean, for goodness sakes, the opening paragraph here talks about how it performs well on the Amiga. Mm-hmm. And now that it's on the Mega Drive, though, it's going to face stiff competition yes. from the likes of top platformer <laughs> Bubsy. <laughs> yeah, and of course, something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's. I'm sure it's better than Bubsy, but... Uh, haven't played Bubsy. Perhaps I should and find out. Um, although, what I find interesting is that... Uh, you remember there was recent... Well, recently. In the last five years, there was a game... Uh, an indie game called Freedom Planet, which was... I do not. Well, I'm sure you'll have seen it. It's a, it's a game that is basically... I probably haven't. Well, it was a game that went... You know how we're all kickstarting spiritual sequels to our favourite games from the 90s that haven't had proper sequels in a long time? I mean, yeah. Because the people making them have dropped the ball? Well, Freedom Planet is the Sonic one. Right. And before Sonic Mania... Uh, you know, unless you unless you count fan mods and stuff that you just download for free. Freedom Planet was basically the closest there was to a new 2D Sonic game going. But in order to distance itself from Sonic so that the lawyers didn't come calling, they, you know, added a couple of, you know, or changed a couple of details and stuff. And honestly, the things that they did make it more like a Zool game. So you've oh, got right, a yeah. character who can uh, hop up a wall. Uh, you've got lots of, uh, you know, floating items to collect. You know, not just rings, but Zool style, lots of different things that, well, n- unlike Zool, do different things. Mm. Anyway, the final point I wanted to make about this review is that as far as I can tell, now correct me if I'm wrong, if I've missed any details, uh. this is a review of Zool on the Mega Drive.
0: Yeah. Correct? Okay, is that screenshot from the Amiga? Is that what you're about to tell me? I'll take it a step further.
1: That's Zool 2. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> That's a screenshot from Zool 2 on the Amiga, which didn't even come out on the Mega Drive at all. Shameful. Very weird, isn't it? Like, I shame. don't know, like, where did they even get that screenshot from? Oh, well, I suppose they must have reached out to whoever was at the the, you know, the game magazine in the office next door. Have you got any Zool screenshots? So
0: there you are. Been there, seen it, done it, not very original, is there summing up? Pretty harsh, I think.
1: ECHO THE DOLPHIN, HE'S A DOLPHIN! ECHO THE DOLPHIN, HE'S A F***IN' DOLPHIN!
2: <laughs> Echo, the dolphin, a dolphin. <laughs>
0: ECHO THE DOLPHIN, Part 6, written by Woodrow Phoenix, art by Steve White, letters by Tom Frame. ECHO searches the seas for the Vortex's machines, destroying them with his new powers, until he finds his work interrupted by a third party, the all-powerful ASTORITE, another alien being. <sighs> Impressed by Echo's power, the asteroid makes him an offer. If Echo can recover the asteroid's black pearl, Arr. long ago lost to the dark reaches of an ocean trench, the asteroid will help the dolphin defeat the Vortex. It's an offer that Echo cannot refuse.
1: Mm, Echo...
0: He's a dolphin. I say, what a dramatic opener. Yeah. On this one. When the great song of the dolphin kind records the battle against the Vortex, this day shall prove to be the most pivotal. The day Echo discovered his true heritage and destiny to be Avenger and Saviour of his species.
2: Yes. Oh, bloody hell. That's Yikes.
0: great. And then only slightly undermined
1: by, at the bottom, the uh, the slab of alien technology, Effin and Jeffin. <laughs> they have <laughs> uh, yeah they, they they sort of um have it talking in this alien language and the point is that echo doesn't speak this alien language And of course in a comic when you want to depict an alien language nobody speaks you just make it zigzaggy squiggly symbols and so on but uh yeah like it's not taz speak it's not swearing it's not <laughs> and they're not even arranged in a line you know like English. no
0: it's just a cluster of ships
1: it's really cool but i'm afraid it does read like a sort of Computer swearing to me.
0: hacking <laughs> dramatic, though, oh. where, where Echo, like, turns on it and, and the water, like, roils yes. red around him as he fires his sonar at it. Foul destroyer, your day is done! you hey, now! The end is upon you. No, it's, it's, it's really... It's kind of hardcore. <laughs> but his sonar bounces off the machine because uh, the asteroid has yes. intervened. Now, the asteroid is a character from the Echo games. It is uh, it is like a giant DNA helix made mm. up of, of black spheres. And the comic presents it as a kind of... Um, Kind of like like The Watcher from Marvel Comics or something like that. Uh, An ambivalent, neutral third party that observes and learns.
1: Yeah, it's this giant, quiet, observing, godlike thing. Echoes like a... From
2: which strange seas do you come? None that to you, small one. So you are in league with these monstrous devices? No, but perhaps I should destroy you both and end your bleatings of enmity in battle
0: like yeah, mm-hmm, yeah that's really cool <laughs> like i like echo's always been a grand strip but i don't got really cool this issue yeah he's going around
1: burning the sea in his wake and then this giant and it's this it's like many many times bigger than him imagine this giant mm. imagine a dna helix but like several
0: loops of it all going up upwards so the the asteroid recognizing echo's power explains that it came to Earth in ages past and disseminated all of the little pearls that make up its being throughout the oceans to gather knowledge, and then gathered himself back together again. Itself, th- themselves, yeah. back together again. But one pearl did not come back, and it asks Echo to recover this missing pearl and this is a, again this is a plot from the game but uh, the way it unfolds in the game is that it is it is after this point in the game that echo travels back in time mm. and meets the asteroid in the past and it attacks him and he is the one who steals the missing pearl and brings it back to the present mm. uh that's how it works in the game but the the events of things have been shuffled around so um we will find out why the pearl has not returned Next year, for this is the final chapter of Echo that just ends on a big ol' honkin' cliffhanger. It says the end at the (laughs) end of it, but it says swim with Echo again in STC soon. And actually, Megadroid's introduction on the welcome screen said Echo comes to the end of the first part of his story. Yes, So uh, they knew what they were creating here was essentially a two-serial adaptation of the game.
1: I wonder why it took so long to get round to it.
0: I mean, I, I do remember, as a youngster, being a bit frustrated by this, to be honest, ah. because it didn't have an ending. It just said, you will be back soon. And it just when things have just got good as well. Yeah, just whenever the whole premise has been ramped up. And now I would have to wait something like 18 months before right. I would... Uh, and that's that's an unimaginable length of time when you're 11. Well, yes, you're not going to be anything
1: like 11 by the time it happens. And, you know, you're probably going to be 13, which is like... yeah. I would have been completely different. You're a different person, and um, it's a shame because it also means that you know a lot of the readers won't remember what went on before, or simply would have. It would have been a totally, you know, totally new roster of readers by that time, perhaps.
0: Mm. I, but I suppose it is a, it's a serialized comic, so Mm. Mm. Uh, not just Echo. I mean Sonic the Comic in general. It it is a serial, so every issue is always going to be somebody's first. So, yep. Whatever.
1: But they should have just kept printing those trade books. That's the thing. And they never did.
0: Yeah. They never did. Well, oh, I think they are. The Echo book would be lovely if the whole thing. Oh, all gosh. If they could put all 12 issues in one book. Oh, God. I mean, I'm really looking forward to, to the second half of Echo. It's going to be a long time before we get there, but it's been really great getting to go back and revisit yeah. these first six parts because. Uh, it really did uh, live up to my memories of it. And to be able to compare it to things like Farthingwood and nature books, yeah. and to learn that Steve White was a paleo artist, <laughs> it's cast new light on it that has only served to illuminate all the things I enjoyed about it back then.
1: Yeah. We'll miss you, Echo. Come back soon. We know you don't, but do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> new Zone. Oh, gosh, day of the news. Zone. Okay,
1: we're going to square with you here, listener. This is. <laughs> this is a lot of text and we're just
0: going to have to skip over a lot of it because yeah the, like I, I, like I'm I'm not 11 anymore <laughs> but there aren't enough pictures on this page <laughs> to keep my interest up yeah. it is essentially it's just a list of what's coming in 94 from all of the uh, from all, all, the, all of top the top software publishers houses. Uh, yeah Ace newshound Gary Penn has checked in with all the top software houses. To find out what they've got coming in '94, and also there's a list of—I mean, that, that's that's two—that's three quarters of this double page but yes. The other quarter is new games being added to the Mega CDs lineup, such classics as Double Switch, doubles, Dracula Unleashed.
1: And by the way, uh, Double Switch—it uh, says here that it features Corey Himes who doesn't exist, or at least isn't the actor in this? It's actually Corey Haim, the famous actor.
0: I, I didn't have time to check it before we started recording. <laughs> I assumed it was Corey Haim's when it they is. called it a Hollywood vet. That's right. Yes, it's also terrible.
1: It's. Yeah, I, I had a
0: look, <laughs> but so I had a.
1: I looked at the mega CD games that they mention here. Double Switch. They say it's similar to Night Trap. It kind of is. These days, it gives me um, Five Nights at Freddy's vibes because what you've got is a mansion with cameras. You switch between them, but the interesting thing is that there are these rolling videos going on. Yeah. In each room, and you can just switch between them to see what's going on. And I don't just mean like camera footage, like as if it was a security camera. I mean full production characters turning and saying asides to the camera. But
0: well, you yeah, could like ju-
1: night trap. But you could just cut in and out of them, and it's I don't know what you're supposed to do. People fall into traps. There yeah, the you go, idea that is fact.
0: that you you have to be looking at them at the right angle and the right time to prime and activate traps to right. trigger new pieces of video the game grumps did a playthrough of it oh. a couple of months ago
1: how did that well, that's
0: yeah timely isn't it yes well i mean timely for 26 years ago
1: yeah. but uh,
0: <laughs> timely for us and then
1: there's us. wonder dog i've mentioned wonder dog before they reviewed it's, that last issue and then uh dracula unleashed i i looked it up it looks like a lot of fun because it's an incredibly dodgy dracula film that you you know press the odd button in.
0: It's, uh, it's like that Sherlock Holmes game she talked about before, it is. isn't it? It not it its It compares it to it here.
1: And finally, Jurassic Park. I mentioned before that there was a Mega CD version that didn't resemble any of the other games in an earlier episode. Ah, uh, you did, yeah. The blockbuster movie of 1993, Brackets and All Time, which was, uh, when they wrote that, it was just a bit of hype talk, but... Really didn't turn out mean? to be so
0: far off the mark. No, yeah. Some of these things are a nice snapshot, you know, being reminded they ma- that they made a game of Maximum Carnage, the Spider Man crossover from that time, oh. or Terminator 2, the arcade game, or the fact that Judge Dredd was going to be getting a film soon. Yeah. Um, or uh, th- the fact that there was a video game about true lies and <laughs> the last action hero and Cliffhanger.
1: Yeah. So what we've got here is this is divided up into Like, here's what's coming from Acclaim. Here's what's coming from Konami. Uh, Under the Gremlin section, and they're the people who make uh, Zool, and it says, apart from the Master System and Game Gear conversions of the top-selling platformer Zool Brackets, you may remember the Mega Drive version released by Electronic Arts at the end of last year. And you may remember that it was... I
0: may, because it was on five pages ago. Bafflingly
1: reviewed in this issue, even though apparently it's more than a year old. (laughs) wonder why they did that. (laughs) Ray, i am like, quite interested in the uh, the rage paragraph the team behind the eight player soccer simulation striker are a beavering way on a sequel at the moment but further details are not being disclosed our sources at sega reckon that rage are also working on three mega drive releases for them but no one will say any more it's unlikely that one of those titles is cheddar george the cartoon style platform action uh, action platformer perhaps that, maybe that's what they meant yeah starring a mouse called you guessed it Cheddar George has been on hold for many months. Well, I looked it up. I was gonna assume you did. There's no such game. So Cheddar never George never happened. N- not well. Or all, all the Google hits I found had nothing to do with this. There's something called Cheddar George somewhere in the world, but it isn't this. I do not think this game happened. What? What a shame! Wouldn't that? that be interesting to find out. I'll see if I can dig up any insider information. I
0: would assume they probably just reskinned it. To be honest, would oh, you
1: think? Oh, I. Bear. have you heard by the way incidentally of a disappointingly bad game called the ninja bread man
0: yeah oh good gravy yep. yes yep. now that you've said it i've suddenly remembered yes well that came out on i
1: think the original wii and uh, it, people just didn't like it well it just so happens that that Earlier on in its development cycle, was Zool 3. Really?
0: That is extraordinarily believable. (laughs) No, that's, yeah, I can really see that now that you've said that. Yeah.
1: Uh, virgin interactive entertainment they have a game called jam it one-on-one basketball with a difference a streetwise attitude real players oh yeah,
0: because that's in short supply in it is isn't it <laughs> isn't
1: it uh real players were filmed and digitized to create the three characters slade roxy and chill each with their own distinctive brackets spoken phrases such as oh god we're gonna kick your butt man and mama said knock you out The array of moves includes barging and slapping, brackets, exclamation mark, brackets. And there's an option to play cutthroat, a one-on-one-on-one with two CPU-controlled characters. Jam his pencil, in for an Easter release. I looked this one up, and actually,
0: Mm. looks quite good. (laughs) Oh, okay. uh, Because they focus in on such the dumbest things. Well... (laughs) And and that's (laughs) (laughs) exactly...
1: That is what it sounds like. But, like something about it even though it's a sports game and you know i don't care about those something about the fact that it's just two guys on a street somewhere with a basketball hoop pushing each other and calling each other names uh, it could just be that when i looked at it i recognize it from maybe games mass draw about influence that oh, sort of thing i feel like i've seen it being played and that's what i'm responding to Unusual promotion here of an individual man called Archer McLean. Archer McLean is not a name most Sega owners will recognise, but it's going to be a household one before the end of 1994. No, it's well, not. Well, I'm sorry, Archer. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> he's he's the much admired designer and programmer behind such home computer hits as the fast, slick shoot 'em up Drop Zone, due for release on the Sega formats through Codemasters, and Jimmy White's Whirlwind Snooker, which he's currently converting to the Mega Drive minus Jimmy White's name. And that's what this is about. It's about this snooker game. And like, so look, I'm not having a go at Archer McLean for a moment. None at all. I'm sure the guy, I, I'm sure he's a really good programmer and he's worth being in the Hall of Fame. I personally, you know, it, it, it may be a shame that he didn't become a household name by the end of 1994. The reason I raise it here is that, like, why? They're not giving any reason
0: why it should. They're just saying he's making a Jimmy White snooker game. Like, what's so special about that? I, yeah, I couldn't really make heads or tails of that one, to be honest. Yeah,
1: you know, it's like the superstar who's going to be converting a random snooker game to the Megadron. It's like
0: this one over here by, by Acclaim. Uh-huh. Soccer. and then in brackets it says that is to say proper football with a soon to be announced leading players endorsement for good measure so obviously Ah! what came out was so and so's sucker so and so's sucker I was trying to come up with a hilarious football themed name but I failed miserably go ahead I'll I'll give you time (laughs) (laughs) I can't no it's no never mind leave it at that (laughs) but yeah when you start reading about Archer McLean you expect like you're going to hear about Archer McLean's whirlwind snooker or whatever but No, it's just about the programmer for some reason. Right, and if it's the programmer, you expect to hear about a
1: Peter Molyneux and this storied career. Or a Davey Cage. And I'm sure that, again, Archer, I'm so sorry, I'm sure you have a storied career. It just isn't mentioned here. There's no reason why we're supposed to know who this is. Presented here, yeah. I mean, I guess he
0: made Drop Zone. Do you know what that was? Nope. (laughs) no nor do i did i know it then no but presumably some people did i gotta tell you though i mean as i i've always said before i did used to pour over sonic the comic and read absolutely everything in it but sure i cannot imagine that i did not glaze over this because i had trouble getting through it no more pictures in the news zone in the future please it's
1: so much words it's almost like one of those page of adverts for the uh you know the mail order catalog Bit right yeah Still, a kind of good on them, though, for telling us all that stuff if we were interested. We're not. Let's move
2: on. Just remember. Remember.
0: Just just yeah, a double page spread for Lethal, lethal enforcers. enforcers. Do you remember this? Well, I don't remember, but we were just told about Lethal Enforcers 2 coming from oh? Konami in the news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it had a Wild West theme, apparently, but yeah, this is a, uh, a light gun game. It is. I, well, maybe it's not a light game, but. Well, I I never, like, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, those things were always sorcery anyway. I didn't understand how those guns could ever work with your old CRTs. I
1: once was told it was something about... Nope, don't know. But uh, clearly there's a photo of someone playing the arcade cabinet, and that does... Well, no, there isn't. There's a photo of someone dressed in a police American police uniform with sunglasses, helmet... And gun, which
0: they're pointing A California at- Highway Patrol type outfit specifically. Like.
1: Yeah, and they're pointing that at the cabinet, but uh, but it has to light guns holstered in it. I assume that you oh well, it could have been a light gun game for the SNES Mega C D and Mega Drive, which is what this is an
0: advert yeah. for. Well no, and it also says original gun accessory included in Game Pack. So it does. And it says Game Pack P A K Game Pack a very Nintendo y word. It's the word they used for cartridge, isn't but it? But then in the list of consoles it is the first one. well so. uh, yes it's just that
1: it made me think that what, you unscrew the back of your cartridge and out comes a gun. In, in game pack. What's that about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a, there's a picture of a, a man pointing a gun at you with his red sunglasses, and there's a soldier with a gas mask
0: behind him. Realistic cops on the street action so intense you'll wonder where your paycheck is at the end of the week. Uh, I wonder where ours is for doing all this. I know, right? Putting up with this, Nelson's.
1: <laughs> wow, that is the closest we've come to like writing an authentic Megadroid copy. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, boomers. <laughs> Golden Plague of Serpents Part 6, written by Mark Isles, art by Mike White, Letters by Ellie Deville. The flock of dragons, summoned by Queen Silpantia, smashes into the hammerinth, immediately turning the tide in our hero's favour. Cabraxis calls upon his serpent god to transform himself into a giant snake. But Gilius is able to chop him in two with the golden axe, and the dragons burn his remains. Gilius saves Yuki from Viprax, and the queen rewards the pair for their heroism with daggers made of enchanted metal. After reuniting with Axe Battler, the group returns to Rockguard for the funeral of
0: Gilius' father. So this... kinda comes apart at the end? (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know in terms of the serial, okay. like it starts well it starts well with the dragons smashing in and everything the dragons answer your call it's a very strong opening and the dragons have cool names like cloud burner and wind scream So, like transformers well um. it, you know it re- i was gonna say this now and
1: then when you've been hearing a name like starscream all your life yeah. it's useful now and then to step
0: back and go Wait, that's awesome. Star Scream. I know, right? Yeah, when you get inured to some of these names, you forget how good they are. And by
1: yeah, by re essentially reworking it here as Wind Scream. I remember, I was reading this and I went like
0: Scream. Cool. And then it's like, "Wait a minute. Yes, yeah, Star Scream." Cool, <laughs> and you get like cool stuff like like uh, Yuki grows a killer cactus that takes out yep. the priests, and and Cobraxis turning himself into a snake in a rather hideous sticky yes. gooey panel as he does a full on metamorphosis. Yeah, you see that there's two separate panels of this metamorphosis, and the first
1: is like his, his head is like stretching and melting and going all gooey, and then the next one he's this lumpy like blob of snake and then thereafter he's a big
0: snake but it's it's quite grotesque yeah meet Cobraxus the god <laughs> yeah but uh, as uh, as Gilius says the bigger they are the more there is to hit and he <laughs> just hacks the poor bugger into <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course
1: he couldn't do that in stc when he was a man but as soon as he's a snake hack him right now as soon as he's a snake it's
0: all good yeah but well you you say that but then you know as yuki is finishing off the snakes Burning things alive Um, Viprax comes up Behind her with like a spear or a halberd Of some kind and then Gilius Hurls the golden axe at him and it stabs him in the down back and we do see that that this yeah. thing
1: i noticed was that when gilius chops the snake in half we don't actually see it we just see him jumping towards it and then we see his head half without you know you don't even see the cut and he's going ah the pain such pain and then after that yeah he's a, a half snake being you know clutched onto by the dragon but
0: when that axe goes in the fella's back, it goes in. I mean, you don't see it going in. We see from the front. We see from the front as the axe collides with his back, yeah.
1: But it's not like before and after. It happens during the panel because you've got the yeah. the, the whoosh marks, the, the speed lines of it whooshing round and going in his back, and we, we're seeing it from the front. So you
0: don't yeah. see the the wound. You don't see it embedded, but you see it happen. Those four pages, that's all good. That's wild, crazy stuff. And then there's sort of this... this this real damp final page just sort of they tie off everything in four panels. On the bottom of the fourth page, yeah. as Gilius sees Viprax go into stab Yuki and he hurls the axe and he goes, no, not again! And I'm like, what? What again? Not what, not what again? I didn't even get what he was referring yes, to. Yes, no, I, neither did I. Because it turns out when we get to the last page that oh, it turns out Gilius' father actually was fatally injured and did die after all, after it being nothing but a big joke about how he was hungry the last time we saw him. Yeah. He just died. Yeah. And... It tries to play it for genuine emotion and it doesn't succeed. Oh, so
1: so the not again you think is him, don't kill another uh, member of my he, family. Yes, he's
0: don't kill another member of my family. That's what he's referring to. But it's not a clearly drawn parallel because you have to retrofit it because you don't remember at this point that Gilius' dad was even supposed to be. Well, injured. does he know? I think we see, Well, no, he is dead because he goes back and he... They're burning his body on a funeral pyre. Well, I know, I know.
1: He finds out, but does Gilius know that he died at the point when he did this?
0: I guess he would. They wouldn't know that he was dead yet. I mean, he, he died while they were gone. Yeah, but it was implied that he was dying. But mm. it was all just a joke. I mean, I think I think we said when we read the earlier chapters that it turned out he wasn't dying because all they did was make jokes about how hungry he was. Yeah.
1: See, the, the way it's presented here, I couldn't tell if he was saying, no, not again, because his sister has been pushed into a fire of snakes
0: before. <laughs> well, that, yeah. No, I'm quite confident that the intent of it is not another member of my family, but... It doesn't land as a moment. And, I mean, uh, we also uh, we find out that the, the dwarves' enchanted metal was actually right under the feet of where they were yes. all along, which is a fine resolution to that if it didn't happen across two panels and uh, the mm-hmm. fact that they were given these daggers didn't mean anything and and axe just turns up yeah that's the most
1: obvious one he's been away for this basically this whole second series and then he's just back yeah
0: i had been going through this whole second serial assuming that was going to factor into the end somehow because i didn't remember how it ended i assumed that was going to be paid off and it wasn't nope And I I was annoyed when I got to that and I discovered that because I I hadn't... Before we talked about it with Tom last issue, I genuinely hadn't realized how much the story had taken pains to sideline the other two characters so we could have a story about let's be honest the best of the three characters but even then i i i hadn't realized axe had been sidelined utterly i thought it was going to be paid off in the final one but it's not well
1: and when axe turns up he goes where's tyrus what's going on and yeah where
0: is tyrus yeah i mean and it's a little funny where he's just in the background of two panels going, well, well, have i missed something who's the yeah. stick charmer when's the fighting star who's that yeah the, when he first shows up um Gilius says axe you big log where were you when i needed you and he goes I don't know yeah (laughs) I mean the staggering around was funny but it was funny when we thought it was in service of something and it turns out it, it, it wasn't yeah did you spot the little Sonic. I spotted the little
1: Sonic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Second to last, or well, third to last panel, I suppose. Yeah. I He's suppose. just. It's not like in early Wonder Boy where there was like a Sonic toy on the ground. They've just drawn Sonic leaning against a pillar
0: or tree or something. Yeah. Doing a thumbs up. I think it, I, I I always read it as kind of a little statue, but yeah, it yeah. might just be a background Easter egg at the same well, time. Well, it's
1: because it doesn't look that much like him. It's a very
0: yeah s- very Sonic. A little
1: version of Sonic. Drawn
0: of Sonic yeah and we end things with more legends of golden axe soon and there would not ever be oh is this the last one ever Yep, this is it for golden axe and to be honest i'm not sad i'm a bit sick of it (laughs) like this has been a good strip honestly this serial has been a lot of fun right up until it muffed the ending you
1: see um, now i didn't mind the ending that much because i thought it was good that it If Gilius' dad has died, it ends on the dramatic Star Wars-y funeral scene where they're burning the body, or or at least there's a funeral pyre, whether he's in it or not, we don't know. And they end on a food joke. His last words were, I hope they have good food where I'm going, and he died with a fork in his hand. It's how he would have wished to go. But um, I actually found it quite touching that the last Gilius is the food character joke, he says, all the food will be gone, let's go down to the feasting hall, the wake will be in full swing. It's where he would be. I like that. That's actually somewhere in between a wah-wah-wah, they eat food, wah, wah wah and actually quite touching.
0: Well, I like it in the abstract as an idea, but I don't think it lands emotionally because it's talking about a character we didn't know who we didn't know was dying the last time we saw him. We I mean, we t- technically we did but the story didn't treat it like it was so yeah, yeah. interesting it, it is a bit sad that the
1: last golden axe strip was this obvious middle one like right with all the characters just being sidelined the last one should have been them back together again
0: and getting the golden axe back to the king of Uria, which is what they were on oh, their, their yeah. mission to actually do yeah that's right yeah sorry the king of Uria is always that cool that's the name of the country i think yeah or the land
1: yeah but isn't that isn't that a word to do with, like,
0: piss? It's not spelled that way. It's <laughs> like, spelled Y-U-R-I-A. Like urethras and stuff.
1: Oh, no. No, I'm wrong. It's an organic compound with a chemical formula of C-O-N-H-2 squared. Oh, I imagine that's what they were referencing, all right. <laughs> yeah, that'll be it.
0: Uh, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the idea was when the and it's a
1: waste. Urea is a waste product of many living organisms. Yes, it's piss.
0: Well, well, fair enough. So (laughs) it's It's piss. It's piss. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. When the serial started, they were on their way back from the adventures in the first one to return the axe, and uh, like, I don't care that we never saw them return it because it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't feel like we've been deprived of an ending to a larger story that was being told. <laughs> Kid Chameleon, but um, yeah, wasn't wasn't sad. We never got any Golden Axe. Furthermore, not surprised we didn't. I can't imagine mm. this. Like I think we said already, like this was obviously greenlit from the get go. Yeah, and I can't imagine Golden Axe was an especially popular one with the reading audience. So it's not surprising to me that it didn't get picked up again.
1: I feel a bit mean about my response to it, which is that like even as I constantly and consistently say
0: it's well drawn mm, and I- lovely art. god it's so good like it's so such wonderful classic yeho frazetta barbarian inspired beautifully painted artwork that i can't say enough good things about and rarely have anything negative to say about at all go on
1: (laughs) and yet for some reason i kind of groan whenever it's time to read a golden axe because
0: because it's all real yeah it's all it's all like not photorealistic but you know like there, no you're at right times it looks photo reference
1: nail on head it, yeah it's almost like reading one of those um you know like when they would when there would be like a problem page in the form of a comic strip and it was like oh a, yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah. A, a teenager's going like do they really think of me like that sort of thing. it's like that i, I just how I do don't... i convince my boyfriend to quit smoking yeah, I don't need to read about people, even if they're fighting dragons, and they've only fought dragons in this
0: one. But well, like, Shinobi had that great stylization. Hmm. That that yeah. made it feel at home in the thing, and um, Kid Chameleon, even in the even in the, or, I mean, the ordinary civilian parts of Kid Chameleon were what gave the whole thing context and made it come to life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. But this is, you know, this the, Golden Axe has always not so much at the very start, but very quickly as time has moved on, and certainly at this point, Golden Axe does feel like a comic that has wandered in from another magazine. Yeah. And now wandered off again. <laughs> yeah, never to be seen again. <laughs> wandered <laughs> off into the woods <laughs> and because it's
1: our last chance ever we are going to end on the best version of the golden axe music released back in the day this is your c64 masterpiece written in a few minutes in the middle of the night on a school night and better than the rest put together
0: And a a rather uninspiring queue zone, I have to say. (laughs) They label, we've never mentioned this, but they do label each entry in the queue zone as like tips or cheats or whatever. Yes. And everything is labeled tips this time. It's all just tips here. Even though the entry for Jungle Strike is a cheat. It's a cheat for 19 lives. Yes, and with the Jungle Strike entry, we
1: have the polar opposite. You know, they've they've gone too far uh, in following our request a moment ago in the news zone, which is that you've got a whole column the whole sort of left-hand side of the page is
0: basically just two massive screenshots and then it goes, you go to the password screen and you enter this. Put this in and it's done. But then we get Rocket Knight Adventures for the Mega Drive and Thunderhook for the Mega CD and it's just it's just how to play the game stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. It's not tips or cheats. It's I just- mean,
1: look at the Thunderhawk. Thunderhawk is regarded as the best Mega CD title to be released and really is a must. It features some brilliant animations and rotating graphics and a wicked soundtrack. Plus, there's a great game in there, too. Here's some general tips to help you along. So you're like, oh, okay, right. we're going to find out how to get ahead. And it goes, number one, always listen to the mission briefing at the start. It really does help. <laughs> you- yeah, of course it
0: does. When they tell you what to do, listen to that. All right, thanks, tips. Primary targets appear as white dots on the radar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rocket Knight Adventures is more like a mini walkthrough to mm-hmm. show you the way past bits where you might fiddle about for a minute before you realized what you're doing. But yeah. And the Super Monaco Grand Prix one's quite fun, actually. It's a rather complex little selection of uh, information entry to get you to unlock Super hang mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah and you type hang on uh yeah you type hang on then you go to the race then you retire save your season reset the machine select practice mode then image training then hold down an a until you see the transmission screen and then start the race well bloody hell that's a lot of work oh no oh no you don't unlock hang on the gate. oh yes you do yeah, and then you'll be playing Super Hang-On. Well, it's it's just a bit confusing. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, I see what you're getting yeah, at. Now, in I the can't first understand one. if it's actually yeah. unlocking Super Hang-On for game. you to play or if it simply uh, turns you from a car into a motorbike in Super Monaco Grand Prix 2. Because they say both. At the top yeah. it says, "How would you like to race a motorbike on the track instead of a car?"
1: You would then enter this cheat, and then at the end it says, "Start the race and you'll be playing Super Hang-On."
0: is he saying that euphemistically or I don't don't know know. know. let us know listeners
1: now the Rocket Knight Adventures one by the way um, it's the large hill on the first level seems almost impossible to get past however don't despair with an eye don't despair as the secret Mm -hmm. is to go to the left hand blah 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 and then they just tell you how to get past this one thing which makes me anticipate are we going to be told how to get past the uh, Carnival Night Zone barrel in STC?
0: <laughs> Good question I don't know. In a future yeah. Q Zone uh-huh. I look forward to Keep finding out. Keep an eye out. out for that Yeah. and then they have uh, Game Genie for the Game Gear codes. First time they've done that and they're oh. reminding you that it's £30 you can buy it now No thanks <laughs> <laughs> Tales The Land Beyond Part 1, written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Dave Windit, and colours by John Burns, and letters by Elita Fell. The Enchanter King summoned Tails back to the Nameless Zone for another mission. He must venture into the land beyond to recover the long-lost third Enchanter King, Shirobe, who has been discovered to be a prisoner of the evil Trog. Tales departs, accompanied by warrior and scholar Errol Blackthorne, But no sooner have they set foot in the volcanic wastes of the land beyond than Trog's minions attack. Well, here we are again. Um... <laughs> you sound weary. So I, so here's the thing. I feel like this issue answers half the weird, ponderous questions that we were asking about the whole setup. uh in the last two episodes Uh because remember we concluded at the end of last episode that the nameless zone uh they talked about how they'd opened the portal back to mobius yes so that it must be somewhere else entirely and yet the introductory caption here says the nameless zone the mysterious hidden region that most of planet mobius believes only exists in legend well and they talk about opening the portal to the emerald hill zone not to Mobius. So this one really makes it sound like the Nameless Zone is somewhere on Mobius. Yes. Because they stress that the bridge that links to the land beyond is a dimensional bridge, so that it is moving across the dimensions. Yes. You're right there. So that's the read of this one, but then I remember some of the Mark Isles stuff later would very much the read from it would be that the Nameless Zone was a whole other world unto itself again. So, just, just based on this, I think Nigel was probably imagining it as a, like a, a legendary region of Mobius, and it's and and not necessarily as I was calling it like a land of orcs and elves and that. And it's just that Trog and his monsters come from another dimension, and it just happens to be a zone in which magic is practiced.
1: Oh uh, yes, oh I see. Okay. The... I guess I haven't been really differentiating between the two ideas of a land of elves and orcs and a land of foxes and orcs as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Before now, there hasn't really been much reason to. Yeah. We, but whenever it's specifically described as being a dimension bridge, and yes. the, the world Trog comes from is something else entirely where all these other monsters exist. Yes, he comes from the Mordor dimension. Yes, exactly. I thought you were about to say that you hadn't been distinguishing between the idea of a zone and the idea of a dimension. And I was about to call you a filthy arch. <laughs> that's we're sticking with artists now. That's a that's, yeah, I like that. We've got our
1: own STCTP parlance now. Boomers and archists, <laughs> the real
2: generation war. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't really
0: have anything to say about this issue. You know, they—they they... no, there's nothing like happens in it. Honestly, it's like they summon him back. They established that the armor magically forms around yes. him, so he doesn't have to go through the trouble of putting it on. Yes. They He'll
1: have to go through the trouble of drawing him, putting it
0: on. Yeah. <laughs> They, they explain how Trog was banished, and how his banishment coincided with the disappearance of the third Enchanter King, and then the Enchanter King is... It's all set up, it's all set up.
1: I got confused while I was reading this, because mm-hmm. it seemed like they were telling tales the story of how they defeated Trog, but he did that, didn't he? Uh,
0: Well, no, this is before. This is how Trog was banished <gasps> oh. to the land beyond before. Oh, uh, right, yes, got it, got it, yeah. got it. And, I mean, and it also establishes, what we were pondering in a previous episode as well, was that the the idea that Trog had to defeat the champion of the Nameless Zone to enter it was a spell that the Enchanter Kings had cast mm-hmm. to keep anybody out. So that's why Trog had to defeat Tils. It wasn't just some old ritual that he was following. It wasn't some Black Panther-style king-by-combat ritual it was actually a spell where he had to defeat their champion or he wouldn't be able to gain access to the zone yes and the gag here being that uh, nobody would ever want to go to the land beyond so there's no spell stopping that so they can just (laughs) saunter across the bridge (laughs) which is a
1: a decent crack (laughs) and everyone all the orcs turn around and go what do you want here yeah the name errol blackthorne i I, i've forgotten everything about this but that name really Hmm. jumped out i was like oh isn't that the name of like a real hero and i googled it no it's from stc so oh
0: no it's a very golden axey sort of name yeah it's a very it's a very tolkieny fantasy hero type name yeah a good one and uh he's just a tall tails you know yeah tall muscular tails uh which we had failed to point out beforehand yeah all these foxes they just have tails face they just all have tails as head and this is tails as head on top of a big buff dude's body
1: (laughs) yeah well maybe that's because the tall tails is a manifestation of the tall tails tails
0: tells sorry saying that three times fast uh uh yeah he is the bravest warrior who studied all known texts of the land beyond errol Blackthorn. but i mean uh, that is about it there's really not much to say here it's all it's all set up three pages of set up and then they go to the land beyond that's it and, it, and, that's it, and it. the
1: setup that it's three pages of is is essentially like a retelling you know you could have done this in the previous version tales shows up they explain yeah. what's going on they go go to that bridge and fight orcs
0: Yeah, they could have told us who trog was already you know but instead we get half a page simply summarizing how they defeated trog and banished him to the land beyond in the first place
1: honestly it's almost as if the first two episodes were like the pitch and now we're getting an expanded version of the same story again whereas if they'd made it a five-part story or have many parts it turns out to be yeah. They could have had a bit more going on.
0: I think it would have been, yeah, it would have been a better story if, yeah. if it had been one big six-parter. Do you know, I mean, it's ridiculous that this is the most notable thing I even thought to say, but Tails is actually orange in this one. So he is, yes. Yeah. That's because we've got John Burns on the colouring this time. Oh. Yeah, as opposed to Dave Windett colouring his own art. Well, maybe Dave Windett's orange had run out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Well, there's a couple of lovely pictures. If this one here, Jurassic Sonic yes. from uh, Danny McFarlane of London.
1: Only a matter of time.
0: Uh, yeah, if it doesn't put pay to everything we've been saying about the zeitgeist of the time <laughs> with Jurassic Park and everything. And it's just like a stegosaurus with Sonic's head and instead of like, plates down his back, it's got Sonic's spine. Oh,
1: that's actually quite clever, isn't it? It is actually. actually I didn't really think about it until Actually, Danny I it McFarlane, there's more. I, yeah.
0: Sorry, Danny. we More going been... on. This we, we, yeah, of this picture that i thought we're giving you credit for
1: yeah. <laughs> but at the top he's done the logo as well so there's a you know the the, the the circle behind yeah jurassic sonic and he's got i mean it's not a fossilized dinosaur version of it, it's just him sat there but uh when i say him it's just the dinosaur that's got sonic's head stood there yeah
0: they haven't done the skeleton or anything no the uh, the other picture on here is a little <laughs> unfortunate um <laughs> it's uh it's uh ewan ogilvy from Carlook in lanarkshire has uh, dressed up as Sonic, but... um, But he doesn't seem to have wanted to. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, I think it might just be a bad photo in that he doesn't look very happy about things because he's given the Sonic thumbs up and everything there. Yeah. But he's, he's accomplished it by sort of, it looks like... Just putting on, like, pajama trousers and a, and a jumper. Well, I'm very impressed by the costume. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a closet cosplay, they call it these days. Do they? Well, I mean, it's not because he's got specially made things that have gone round his shoes and he's wearing gloves. And, and the uh, he is wearing a full... This is uh, it. A cowl, a snood, with Sonic's... Uh, his mum, I think, has, has stitched that for him, you know. Well, if she has, she's done well, because the spines look great. She's done a good job, yeah. And they go down his back as well. Yeah, and he's got a little tail too. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of works going into yeah. this. Um, I mean, sadly, there is no good way to make a, a Sonic cosplay, so he does look like that kid from the picture on the front of the sonic (laughs) costume you can buy staring off into space. Uh, A bit. He's not looking terribly happy and the caption reads all dressed up with nowhere to go Ewan fails to see the funny (laughs) sight." He's not looking too happy
1: there's just, there's no two ways about it. He doesn't look like he wants to be doing it, yeah. but that must just be, he just stopped smiling for a brief moment when the camera yeah, had to Yeah, it's just an
0: unfortunate up. photo, yeah. I hope, but unless sh- he was really miserable and like <laughs> was doing it under duress. <laughs> well, yeah, like this was the first time he'd had it on and had just seen his reflection and was like, oh. Yeah. Also, Dave, I- I'm sure you must have appreciated the unintentional 25 years on retroactive third level of comedy here. <laughs> Good. Go on. <laughs> the fact that the this young gentleman's surname is Ogilvy, which was what Ken Panders wanted Sonic's real name to be. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, you're right. Oh my God, Maurice Ogilvy, wasn't it, or something? Uh, Ogilvy Maurice. Maurice was well. The the Maurice thing was a, one of those old gags from one of the early the Gallagher issues.
1: I know it was a joke originally. It was um actually my middle name. Danger
0: Maurice. is my middle name. Actually, it's Maurice, but don't tell anyone. But uh, Ogilvy...
1: He wanted his first name to be Ogilvy
0: Ogilvy, yeah, so Maurice was his middle name And Maurice, and uh, he was known to his parents in the Archie comics (laughs) as Maurice The first time we ever learned that legitimately was uh, after the the big events of the 50th issue Where Sonic finds his roboticized parents and they they call out for Maurice And Antoine (laughs) has a hearty cackle about the fact Sonic's real name is Maurice And the the dad goes to say, actually it's his middle name His first name is Dad! Dad! Uh, it's Sonic. Uh, yeah, that's what. Uh, that's what. I'll take being tied to the tracks of a roller coaster over Yeah, that.
1: I, I can't help but want to know what those books are on the floor in the photo.
0: Yeah, I don't think we'll be able you to can't. figure that one out. Sorry, you can't. even with a <laughs>
1: microscope, that it's blurry. But God, I'm interested. It looks really interesting. Whatever it is, there's something cool about it.
0: Oh, for goodness' sake, Dave! It's a brown smudge. It looks really cool. <laughs> dead Ah! cool. (laughs) Oh, what have we got in the letters, though? Um, Donna Wright asks if there are any plans for a Sonic fan club and MegaDroid takes the hump. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. STC's the biggest Sonic fan club around. Do you need reminding that every fortnight there are reviews, news, plus occasional badges and posters... Why's up, Donna? What more
1: could a human ask for? I feel like that's a missed opportunity. I did sign up to the Turtles fan club, and uh, what I received was a newsletter that arrived maybe three times ever, if that. Yeah. But with the first one, all sorts of goodies. Shoelaces, stickers, uh, a key ring that was just like a clear thing that you could swap little pictures of their heads in. Um... That's probably all. Maybe a bookmark, that sort of thing. But it
0: felt like, yeah, a pack, a load of stuff. Well, it was always nice to get stuff. But to To be honest, I think the sense of community, the sense of being part of a a secret group of people is much better accomplished through reading
1: sonic the comic well i agree but what i'm thinking is if i'm the if i so i'm the people making sonic the comic right i go okay we are going to set up the sonic fan club but what it is is that it's a subscription to stc except now and then we'll send you something else we well just a newsletter just a printed sheet that's you know like a big welcome screen basically
0: i uh attempted when i was very young to join the munch bunch club <laughs> remember the munch bunch the the yogurt people or the book series the books oh wow old school yeah i got the letter back saying it didn't exist anymore oh. yeah and i i wonder now looking back if that's why i never tried to join any fan clubs again <laughs> so
1: you were reading what was already an old book yeah i guess i didn't realize at yeah. the time you don't do you You're just no, like you well. don't know
0: how old those Things are when, when you read them. No,
1: when you're that age, just everything comes out. I looked into it. Apparently, the Munch Bunch was just started by just this girl, and she just, oh yeah? just wrote these books and someone printed them, and like essentially still going. I'm sure there are still Munch Bunch yogurts. <laughs> Ben Hughes says, Dear STC, I think your comic is great. I especially like the price because it means I can still buy my can of cola and my American hard gums. I then devour them as I rack my brains over Terminator for the master system. But then he says, I also think that there should be some comic strips for girls to encourage them to play Sega games. And Megadroid just drops the gender equality ball entirely and
0: it rolls all the way down the road. Yeah, Megadroid, (laughs) you're not impressing me here. He says, uh, well, Ben, I'm so pleased that you're managing to rot your teeth while reading STC. That's what life's all about, eh? As for comics for girls, what did you have in mind? Barbie's Beauty Parlor, The Revenge? (laughs) Well... Get bent, Megadroid. Yeah, I
1: wonder what uh, Abby and Helen would have to say about that sort of behavior. Yeah!
0: I mean, after you do, yeah, <laughs> Richard Burton. Mm. What was it? Wasn't he saying a couple of issues ago about? Yeah, the, talking about the two bossy, the two bossy girls, Humes yeah, in the, in the offices, yeah. And Deborah Tate would eventually take over at full time. <laughs> yes,
1: she ousted him. Well, and in fact, it was Deborah Tate. When Deborah Tate got in charge, one of the things that she did that was like probably her, you know, real hallmark stamp that she made on the comic was that she basically
0: made Amy and Techno the girl power yeah. strip. Techno was easily the closest any of the original characters came to being an actual member of the main cast. Yeah. Because there were no girls and they needed more girls, obviously. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was Deborah Tate's doing. I wonder if she even mandated Techno's creation, perhaps. Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see how the timeline lines up whenever we get. I mean, we could look ahead, but where's the fun in that? I'm not doing that, no. No. <laughs> uh, not much going on otherwise here. We've got Scott Reed wants to know when the six-button joypad's coming out. It's out now. Mm-hmm. Um, Gavin Cook hasn't been paying attention. And wants <laughs> to know why there isn't a Decap Attack computer game. Megadroid <laughs> corrects him. Uh, and then uh, Keith Webb uh, is a big fan of Decap Attack. And then he turned me against him instantly. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> when he, uh, he was wondering if there could be a map of Mobius, including all the zones, together with... <coughs> Together with...
1: <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll Together What with... uh, Chris is trying to say is Nothole Village <laughs> He says in bracket I'm going to put the sound of like You know when you get hit and rings go everywhere <laughs> um, And he says I read about this in the US comic oh, Which I obviously didn't take this on board Because it came as a surprise to me In later yeah. years when I found out there was a US comic Dealing with Nothole
0: Yeah I didn't remember this at all until right now <laughs> We have
1: an archist already uh, Brewing, infiltrating our infiltrating, ranks. And, yeah, a spy, <laughs> and not not only that, he's he's from Leicester, which is just down my way. That's like half an hour away from where I lived. Keith Webb, get in touch. Yeah, and get stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> and these days on speed lines, we like to read your letters to the podcast out. Um, this time, slight difference. We have a call in who is about to serenade us
2: with his really quite dulcet tones. <laughs> chris and dave and dave and chris this is sam gabriel also known as saber and blue gigantic fan of the podcast over here i have a question or more like a request i'm from america and i don't have that much experience with british comics apart from Sonic the comic only through you guys and the transformers uk stuff uh hi chris what i'm wondering is is sonnet the comic a normally formatted comic for that time and that industry. What, what I mean is STC is very much story and then other video game related stuff and then story and then other video game related stuff. It's, it's kind of like Nintendo Power with comics. Actually, they might have done comics, but the, the point is, can you give some examples of other contemporary British comics and how they ran what the formatting was? Was STC a, a new thing for British comics, or was it just a standard format done especially well? Anyway, thanks for everything you guys do, and I hope that in answering this, uh, Chris has to say the word Beano a few more times, because that brings me happiness. Have a good one, guys.
0: It would be my
2: understanding that Sonic
0: the comic was fairly unique in what it was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a magazine that I tend to think of as a sort of sister publication to Sonic, it didn't actually exist uh, yet at the time that we're doing this, but it will in a year or two. It was uh, Judge Dredd, Lawman of the Future, mm-hmm. which was Egmont Fleetway's companion comic for the Stallone Judge Dread movie, which had a stylistic overlap in its stories and the general tone of them and everything, and it had the, it had the letters pages and compos in between the strips and and then there might have been the occasional article about the movie or something but no it didn't have like news and reviews and stuff in between
1: no and that would have been by fleetway so that would have been inspired by sonic the comic
0: Hmm. i mean mean, not to jump years ahead but whenever judge dread ended they teased that there was going to be a crossover with sonic the comic that never happened (laughs) That would have been stupid. It would have been, but it would have worked because the books were tonally very similar. It would have been impossible to make it work the way they were playing Dread in that comic. Yeah, so no, I'm pretty sure uh, Sonic the comic, generally speaking, was was a, a fairly unique entity at the time. Well,
1: the part about the multiple comic strips or comic stories in one comic
0: that was fairly common. That was... oh,
1: that's that's perfectly
0: normal. Yeah. Yes, I mean that that's even the case uh, still today. Yeah, um, as as much well, comics like Sonic the comic don't really exist anymore. No, the audience that Sonic the comic targeted. Probably, to be honest, lay somewhere between the two audiences that tend to be targeted by comics on the British newsstand today, which is the very young audience that is sold a delivery system for disc launchers and stickers <laughs> yeah. uh, that comes with a magazine as a matter of course, and people who really want to read comics, which are, you know, maybe tweens and slightly older. Sonic the Comic felt like it was pitched somewhere between those two ages. So, comics that are pitched at tweens and teens are just straight reprints of. American comics that come in uh, the they, three issues of different American comics are collected in a cardstock covered single comic mm-hmm. where comics targeted at the young audiences with the disc launchers and everything would only tend to now have one strip in it and you'd be lucky if it was eight pages and then everything in between is quizzes and puzzles and mazes and spot the differences and, and yeah. articles about what's new in, in Minecraft.
1: And back then, as the sort of the 80s cartoon franchise boom was happening, the comics that we got were often some American American reprints and some original British material put together yeah, Transformers, Transformers being did. The,
0: the ultimate example of it yeah Turtles did that I think maybe Ghostbusters did that yes I think Ghostbusters sort of was largely original British stuff oh. but it did reprint some American stuff as well but the idea of certainly at the time Sonic was coming out of, of comics having uh, multiple strips in them there wasn't anything unusual about that but the specific format of
1: it's the games magazine stuff
0: in between that's new yeah, yeah I think it knew it was unusual in that regard and that it was maybe taking a bit of a chance.
1: So, I hope that answers your question. Uh, except in one regard, Chris, could you say Bino a few times? Bino, Bino, <laughs> Bino. <laughs> Three distinct takes there that we can use in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks Sam. And if you, listener, want to send in a letter to Speed Lines, then or, or indeed a call in, then the email address is stctpodcast at gmail.com We hope to hear from you there.
0: And if you have any examples that refute what we're saying, if perhaps our experience or memories of comics of the time were limited, and you can think of some examples of other magazines that were like Sonic the Comic, please, yes, do let us know.
1: Yeah, and if you've got any spare copies knocking around, I'd be interested to read them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of issue 18. For, um, just as with the last couple of issues, instead of a next issue solicit on the inside back cover, we have the, um, the subscription service coupon. And the data strip. And the data strip, very, very important. The data
2: yes, strip. And, yes, don't
1: forget the data yes, I mean. <laughs> which we've all completely forgotten and just started. Yeah, I don't think we've mentioned
0: it since Well, because uh, I've just started
1: not noticing it anymore.
0: It's just wallpaper. Yeah, it's just the bit that's there that you don't look Listeners, at. Listeners, mean.
1: since issue one they've been telling us that if we want to get in touch, we can fill in the cut out and fill in the data strip, which asks like Who are you, name, address, age, what's your game scores, and what game would you like turning into a strip, and what was your favourite stuff this issue? So they're just trying to get feedback in a formalised way, but I'm going to see if I can... If I ever bump into Richard Burton, I'm going to ask him, did anyone ever say... I have to believe somebody
0: did. Maybe. They're still printing it, it's still going now. I think it would go for a good long time. Yeah. But... On the back of the comic, we get a full-page ad for next issue. Now, this would happen from time to time, yes. I I like this. Mm. I'd still rather have it in the little space that was specifically set aside for it and what it was designed for, and it would go back to that. I want this to be that space. This is better. Yes, it's also cool to have a full-page ad for next issue, and this is just the cover of the next issue. Kick it with the Eternal Champions! Sega's hottest new game is STC's hottest new comic strip, Nine Ultimate Warriors Fighting Across Time for the soul of the future! jeez wow
1: the soul of the future yikes man yeah and if this is next issue's cover then we won't describe it yet we'll keep you on (laughs) tenterhooks so you'll hear all about this guy's many nipples in two weeks time (laughs)
0: look at all his nipples chris yeah i they're not nipples but okay (laughs) Plus (laughs) <laughs> Plus <laughs> Shinobi in an all new story and and nope. Sonic the Hedgehog oh! 3 oh! review special. Oh can't wait. You yeah. oh. Oh, oh, The, the action that. starts STC nineteen on sale Saturday the fifth of February. One pound ten. One pound ten. We were all used to it at this point. Get your little coin and your other little coin down the news
1: agents that's right in fact hey why not take two pounds and you can use the remaining 90p for penny sweets refreshers and cola bottles penny sweets uh,
0: or a can of cola and a, an american uh, hard american guns. hard gums. yeah so if you're looking for issue number 19 uh, you go find that on apple podcasts and if you do get it from there please do leave us a review because it does help push us up through the rankings Or you can find us on stctp.wigglehe.com, through which you can like us on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, we're on Twitter as at Sonic Podcast. We have uh,
1: done away with the gimmick
0: of Mr. Old Fashion. (laughs) Gimmick? He was a valued employee. Uh. (laughs) But we're also on there individually as well. Yes. I am at
1: Chris McFeely. And I am at Demon Tomato Dave. That was weird. I said ut as if it was just a word in the sentence, but it's a symbol. Never mind. It's a noise. Ut. <laughs>
0: And you can also find us on youtube under those names doing our usual stuff on there
1: i've got another podcast that you can listen to while you wait for the next episode it's called serious Disney, in which me and Jahan ranasing discuss animation things and disney things and so on some of
0: it is serious and some of it is frivolous go and find that on all of your normal podcast places and you can check out my youtube video series transformers the basics where i break down the history of one of my favorite franchises for new and younger fans Our theme tune was
1: synchronized by Sonic the Comic, the band, and we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast. See you on the next level, gamers. Boomers. (laughs) 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 That's our (laughs) sign-off. (laughs) Nah. That's
0: not a bad sign-off, actually. And it says game pack P A K, which yeah, is... which is a very Sega terminology. Is it? But I think then... I
1: thought that was American for um, you know, the, what they used instead of the word cartridge.
0: Mm, I,
2: I, I don't. When I, did, I, I, did I just say
1: American? I meant Nintendo. <laughs> oh, that's what I said. You said Sega.
0: Did I? I, I oh. Let's right, do this let's whole take that thing, thing again. One again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say Nintendo. We both completely <laughs> up the same word.
1: Yeah. Wait, is there some kind of field coming off our SDC here
2: that stops us saying.